Orchard Radio begins in three, two, one. You are God's little G. You are God's because you came from God. When I read in the Bible where he says, I am, I just smile and say, yes, I am too. God came from heaven, became a man, made man into little gods. We have the potential and the capacity through a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ to know God, but that does not mean we are God. The Bible is very clear. There is only one God, and he will not share his glory with another. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Oh, man, some emotions are so strong. It takes Elvis to express them. This is the moment. And this is Wretched Radio. So pumped. I waited for Because this is a mega issue. I can hear my heart singing. Soon books will be ringing. Soon bells will be ringing. Hey, if we can put words into the mouth of Jesus, we can put words into the mouth of Elvis. Do you wrestle with the issue of Christian assurance? Congratulations. You're not the first. You're not the last. And it is my experience that myriads, that's right, myriads of Christians go to bed at night regularly in a panic. Am I God's child? As I put my head on my pillow, will the Lord take my soul if he takes my life tonight? And that is why I am pumped to let you know that we would like to help you or a close relative, a dear friend who struggles with the subject of assurance. Not too long ago, I was texting with my buddy, Mike Abendroth. He's been pastoring for 30 some years in Massachusetts. That ain't fertile soil there. And he, as a pastor, also recognizes that Christian assurance is often lacking, even in people who go to good Bible teaching churches like his. And so he put together a 31-day guide to assurance. And I said, why don't you send it to me? I'd love to see it. He did. And it is so fine. We actually want to give it to you. Now, before I say any more, please note, this is not just a massive book giveaway. This is not intended for you to just grab it, put it on your shelf, leave it sitting there for the moment or the person you might meet who struggles with assurance. No, this is for you if you wrestle with the issue of assurance. It is our gift to you. I'm not kidding. Visit wretched.org slash assurance, wretched.org slash assurance, and we will send it to you at no cost. You got to pay for shipping, but other than that, it's a $15 book. Been working with Mike on that. We will send it to you at no cost, wretched.org slash assurance, but this has to be your issue. Jimmy, are you prepared to dive into the book, Gospel Assurance? I am. You sure? <laughs> you will be the judge. Oh. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Order in the court. Jimmy, name the preacher. I'm going to give you the title of a sermon, and you tell me which mega gloppy, sloppy, lovey-dovey evangelical preached this thing. You ready? I think You are so. representing the tens and tens of people listening to Wretched Radio. I'm ready. The infinite ocean of Christ's love. Oh, oh, 
the infinite ocean uh I don't you, know. you know what worship song would have to come before and after this don't you what's that ocean oh, yeah, silly yeah, yeah, yeah. rabbit uh, all right so give me a name of some skinny jeans what's his name skinny Je- that'll do all right you want to try another one <laughs> okay he cares for me osteen <laughs> no that would be charles spurgeon Oh, well, now I feel yeah. <laughs> And the infinite ocean of Christ's love. No, it didn't come from Hillsong or Bethel. Octavius Winslow, he's mm. been dead for a long time. Why do I share those what appear to sound like gloppy, lovey-dovey sermon titles? Because we need to remember that the old dead guys that we love to look back and find flaming through just the whoa give me that heat preacher oh you can find that with these guys but you will also hear a lot of preaching that is downright tender caring loving warm encouraging and assuring octavius winslow actually wrote the infinite ocean of christ's love charles spurgeon sounds like well apparently joel osteen He cares for me. These guys were balanced. They didn't just throw flames. They preached the love of God because they too knew that assurance was a big deal for their people. And those are just some of the 31 different sermon snippets. And it's a little bit of an exercise. You're going to have to engage with this book if you get it at wretched.org slash assurance. You're going to have to answer some questions. You're going to have to think on some things. You're going to have to even be challenged to memorize some Bible verses so that you can have assurance, a subject that even, are you ready for this? (gasps) Martin Luther wrestled with? Martin Luther, he wrote this, When I look at myself, I do not see how I can be saved. But when I look at Jesus, I do not see how... I can be lost. That was Martin Luther. That was the German reformer, the pugnacious one. He would turn his eyes to Jesus to find his assurance because when he looked at himself, he found sufficient grounds for failure. And yet, by looking outside of himself to his salvation, not inside, it doesn't mean we don't do works. This is not an antinomian screed. This is an encouragement that our salvation and our assurance isn't based on what we do. Now it helps to look. You will see some fruit, but not enough fruit. And if you study the rotten fruit, you're going to conclude, I'm not saved. Luther says, stop. Look outside of yourself. And he's not the only one. Charles Spurgeon stated, apparently, something akin to, quote, If you chase the dove of assurance of salvation, you never seem to catch it. But if you pursue by faith alone the Lord Jesus Christ, the dove of assurance gently comes and settles upon your shoulders. Once again, Charles Spurgeon, he brought it. There is not a good preacher on the planet who has not been tempted to use paragraphs of virtually any Charles Spurgeon sermon on the same text. But did you hear the warmth in this? Look outside of yourself. Look to Jesus, and you're going to have yourself some assurance. This is the introduction to Gospel Assurance. It is a 31-day guide to assurance compiled by Mike Abendroth. 
most evangelicals struggling with their assurance start their search in the wrong place. While there is a time for looking to oneself, this cannot be the primary place you set your attention. Carefully chosen words. Do you ever examine yourself? Yes. Should you see that you're not what you once were? Yes. The problem is you're going to also see what you aren't yet. And if you just look in that direction while you're looking at yourself, you're going to be in big trouble and you're going to lack the assurance that God wants you to have. Your primary place of focus cannot be the self. Instead, you should look to Jesus Christ by faith. Bob, the author of Hebrews, wrote, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He is precisely the one whom we must concentrate on and to whom we must look. Mike, thank you for that thought, and thank you for not ending that sentence with a preposition. Gaze upon the Lord Jesus Christ and only glance at yourself or your assurance of salvation will abandon you. Is that why you perhaps lack assurance? Charles Hodge, another dead guy. Many sincere believers are too introspective. They look too exclusive. Isn't it nice to know that God is the same? He never changed. This is there are some modern-day preachers who say things like this. I hope we do. But Charles, he's been dead 130, 50 years, and he's saying the exact same thing because it's still true today. Many sincere believers are too introspective. They look too exclusively within so that their hope is graduated. It grows by the degree of evidence of regeneration which they find in their own experience. This, except in rare cases, can never lead to assurance of hope. We may examine our hearts with all the microscopic care prescribed by President Edwards in his work. He's talking about Jonathan Edwards, the religious affections. And never be satisfied that we have eliminated every ground of misgiving and doubt. Do you struggle with assurance? It is time to turn your attention elsewhere. And we would like to help you do that, to look outside of yourself unto Christ with a 31-day guide to assurance. It's more than a devotional. It's an exercise to give you what you so long for and God wants you to have. Did I mention it's free? But only if you really do struggle with assurance or your kids do or your spouse does. This, this isn't for mass giveaway. You can only get one copy. But it will cost you nothing, and it will benefit you everything. Wretched.org slash assurance. When we return, how to turn your eyes away from yourself and unto him to have assurance. Next on Wretched Radio. Just because Roe v. Wade is overturned, that does not mean the battle for life is over. Would you please consider supporting Preborn Ministries, providing ultrasounds that genuinely save lives? That ultrasound changed everything for me. It really did. That made it all worthwhile to know that I was going to have a little blessing when she got here. It was just, oh my gosh. <laughs> 
Another woman who chooses life because she saw an ultrasound. Her life, and obviously her baby's life, changed. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. The war for life continues to rage. Would you please engage in the battle and support preborn centers at preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. There's a reason we talk so much about biblical counseling around here. It's because it works. Transformed, our biblical counseling series, hosted by Dr. Greg Gifford and Dell Johnson, is returning for season number two. As a matter of fact, it is on sale right now, and Transformed season two will demonstrate powerfully, I might add, that the Bible has solutions for our emotional problems. Doctors Johnson and Gifford don't merely teach biblical counseling, they show biblical counseling in action. In season two, you'll meet Christians that are struggling with the same things that likely you are. PTSD, anger issues, assurance, depression, discontentment, ADHD, abuse, anxiety, self-pity, and you'll see with your own eyes that the Bible is sufficient for all life godliness and emotional challenges. Transform season two. It's on sale right now at transformed.org. That's transformed.org. Cool, very cool. The Tomorrow Clubs now have 106 clubs in Romania. This year marks the celebration of the 25th anniversary of our ministry. But also, it is a very important milestone for Tomorrow Clubs Romania. Now, Tomorrow Clubs Romania has 106 clubs. That means 106 villages are hearing the gospel proclaimed to the kids who get saved. They bring the gospel home. Parents get saved and local churches get strengthened. Would you please consider supporting the Tomorrow Clubs? Not only do they have hundreds of clubs in Romania, Ukraine, Russia, Albania, all over Eastern Europe and now in Africa, would you please consider what might you do to bring the gospel to both Africa and to Eastern Europe, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Know your church fathers. Cyprian was a third century theologian from Carthage, North Africa, where he served as bishop until he was beheaded under Emperor Valerian. Cyprian authored a book called On the Unity of the Church, stressing the unity of the universal church as well as the importance and authority of the local church. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. No, we're not becoming antinomian. This is Wretched Radio. It is my delight to announce to you Gospel Assurance, a 31-day guide to assurance compiled by Pastor Mike Abendroth is our gift to you. You pay shipping. We'll send you this really large book. It's almost, it seems like, well, it's 200 pages long, and it is a beauty. It is a compilation of dead guys who speak tenderly to you if you lack assurance. So if you do, we'd like to give this book to you at wretched.org slash assurance. The question is, how? How do we take our eyes off of ourselves and put them on Jesus? How do we strive for sanctification while recognizing the laws of God most certainly never change? But 
we are no longer under the authority of the law. The reformers talked regularly about the law gospel distinction, and this is yet another evidence of the imperative that we understand this distinction. If you do not get law right, you are going to fall off the Christian horse. You will either strive like a nobody's business to keep all the laws or else you're not saved because you believe the law can still condemn you or you fall off the other side and you forget all of the principles of God's laws and you become licentious no matter how you slice it. If you do not get the distinction between law and gospel correct, you're in big trouble. Now, don't take my word for it. Don't take this book's word for it. Don't even take John Calvin's word for it. Who wrote this? The consciences of believers in seeking assurance of their justification before God should rise above and advance beyond the law. (gasps) Are you saying the law has no place? No. But Paul also, not just John Calvin, imagine, Paul himself said, The law is good if it's used lawfully. What is it used for? It is to chase you. From where? From Mount Sinai? Where? To the mount where Jesus died for those who are under the curse of the law. It has no more authority over you. Read Romans 4. Read Romans 5. Read Galatians 2. Read Galatians 3. The law is a schoolmaster. Paul said the law kills. It brings about the knowledge of sin. But when you turn away from your self-righteousness unto Jesus Christ in faith, the law, while still being a mirror, a curb, and a guide, no longer has you by the collar to take you to prison. Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus died as a curse. Jesus is the one to fulfill all legal obligations for you to be set free. And John Calvin is simply echoing that. You've got to move beyond the law. It doesn't mean we abandon the law. That is antinomianism. Oh, we don't need to focus on any of that business. That's wrong. But when it comes to the doctrine of assurance, not sanctification, the doctrine of assurance, we must remember the law has no more hold on you. You're free. Back to John Calvin. For there the question is not how we may become righteous, but how, being unrighteous and unworthy, we may be reckoned righteous. If consciences wish to attain any certainty in this matter, They ought to give no place to the law. Now, he's not saying the law has no place. But in the issue of assurance, it doesn't. Nor can anyone rightly infer from this that the law is superfluous for believers, since it does not stop teaching and exhorting and urging them to good, even though before God's judgment seat, it has no place in their consciences. That's the right balance. Now, this is Abendroth. I'm not saying there's never a time to look to self to see the fruit of the Spirit of God in you. However, I am saying you should never start and end with looking unto yourself and the law. Sinclair Ferguson warned, so long as, so long as there is a vestige of reliance upon our righteousness, our service, our obedience, our knowledge, our understanding of doctrine, there can be no genuine assurance. So how do you do this? How do you find that balance? 
How do you go about the business of looking outside of self unto Jesus to find assurance? Glad you asked this booklet, which we'd like to give to you. It's called Gospel Assurance by Mike Abendroth, available at wretched.org slash assurance. It is yours. You pay for shipping. We're paying for the books because I know this is a major issue. I know it is. And this has to be your issue or a close loved one's issue. If that describes you at the moment, because of our gospel partners, we give stuff like this away. When we identify a hole that so many people are experiencing, we want to see if there's anything we can provide to fill it. And I think this book does when it comes to the whole of assurance. Mike Abendroth, so helpful. If you interrogate yourself with questions like, do I love God? Do I love my neighbor? Uh Uh-oh, you're in trouble. Because here's what you're going to see. Not like I should. Conclusion, I'm not saved. So Abendroth says, you better soften that question, those questions, so that they sound like this. Do I want to love God? Am I sorry when I do not love God? Do I wish I loved God more? You ask those questions, and if you say, that is the longing of my heart, I want to love God more, congratulations. That is actually a sign that you are saved, not a sign that you aren't saved. We never love God the way that we should. That doesn't mean we become lazy and Doris Day-like. No, we, we continue to bathe ourselves in the Bible and its truths, simultaneously recognizing We don't love the way that we should. And that is why we need to remember it's the desire, not the accomplishment. Because it's all been accomplished through Christ. Mike Abendroth helping us to do this. True or false? The just shall live by... Jimmy! Yes. You're up again. Okay. True or false? The just shall live by faith. True. Mm -hmm. True or false? The just shall live by faithfulness. Mm, false. Well done. Yeah. Yep. That 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 makes up for your Joel Osteen comment earlier. <laughs> you missed that one by a million miles. I did. But this is huge. If, if you're off on this, you miss assurance by a million miles. We live by faith. We don't. We don't live by faithfulness. You're saying that we aren't to be faithful. I'm saying you're you're going to be faithful because God will persevere you, but you're not going to be as faithful as you should. You don't read enough. You don't study enough. You don't go to church enough. You don't evangelize enough. You don't give enough. But Jesus did. So we look to him and we live by faith in him, not live by our own faithfulness to him. Should there be any evidence of faithfulness? Yes, but perhaps a better question would be, rather than saying, am I faithful to God? Do I desire to be faithful to God? Do I want to be faithful to God more? Back to Mike Abendroth. What you do does not make you a Christian. It does not make you a person of faith. Paul tells us all over the place that you're a person of faith because he's given you faith and you're in Christ. Again, look outside of yourselves. Thomas Brooks, another dead guy who could be labeled antinomian. Our knowledge of God, of Christ, of ourselves, and of the blessed scripture is imperfect in this life. And how then can our assurance be perfect? 
Therefore, keep walking by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone, by grace alone. And there is an encouragement then to memorize Bible verses. I just highlighted the short ones. There is therefore now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? No condemnation. It's emphatic, by the way, in Romans 8.1, one of my favorite Greek grammar revelations is that Paul puts no in the most persuasive form at the very beginning of the sentence. No condemnation. By the way, Romans 4, he's talking about the law, the law revealing how the law brings about a desire for sin. Who will save me from this body of death? No condemnation. Memorize that. John 6, Jesus said, all the Father has given me, come to me. And he that comes to me, I will not cast out. You can remember remember that. Just remember, he won't cast me out. He won't cast me out. He won't cast me out. And trust him. John 10, the thief comes to steal and to kill, destroy. I come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. John 10, 27. Also, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. I give them eternal life. Eternal life starts now. And it lasts for forever. Have you done that? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Then you are his and he is yours and nobody can snatch you from his hand. Period. Memorize those verses and get yourself a copy of Gospel Assurance at wretched.org slash assurance. Wretched.org slash assurance. You pay for shipping. We pay for the book. And together, we will all turn our eyes upon Jesus away from merely looking at ourselves so that we can all have more assurance. Don't you want that? Wretched.org slash assurance. Thank you, Gospel Partners. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. A gender-confused middle school teacher in Maine was recently fired for promoting his personal sexually explicit TikTok videos to his students. Self-identifying as transgender, the biological male was a substitute teacher at King Middle School in Maine until the end of January, where he was removed from his position shortly after the principal was made aware that the questionable content was promoted to his students. Unfortunately, teachers like this are starting to become commonplace. So the Attorney General of the state of Missouri wants an explicit ban on drag shows being used by schools. Why would a school use a drag show? But a recent public school field trip brought kids to such an event. Columbia Public Schools defended its decision to send kids on a field trip that included a drag show by claiming that they did their due diligence before sending students to the event, but they also disagreed that there was anything wrong with the drag show. If you did your due diligence, you wouldn't have sent children to a drag show to begin with because drag shows are inherently sexualized performances with the expressions of sexuality that children have no business being subjected to. And speaking of drag Drag shows. The administration of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has rescinded the liquor license of an Orlando venue that hosted a sexualized drag show open to children. Through the State Department of Business and Professional Regulation, DeSantis on Friday filed a six-count complaint against the Orlando Philharmonic Foundation, accusing the company of exposing minors to obscene sexual acts during a drag performance in December. I'll never understand why people think it's okay for children to witness this type of thing. Well, Disney is apparently still at it. Here's a clip from one of their most recent shows. 
This country was built on slavery, which means slaves built this country. Tilled this land from sea to sea to sea. First it was rice, tobacco, sugar cane. Then Whitney did his thing and cotton became king. And we were its soldiers, four million strong. Fighting for America's freedoms, even though we remained America's slaves. There's much more to the clip than what I've just played, but that was a recent Disney show. Not quite sure the name of it, but it is animated, so it's obviously marketed toward children, and it's nothing more than pure critical race theory. Parents, now more than ever, you have got to keep a very close and watchful eye on your children because drag shows, sexual content, and critical race theory are being marketed at them more than it ever has. A Muslim in Pakistan threw acid on a 19-year-old Christian woman for refusing his pressure to enter into a relationship and convert to Islam. The girl suffered 20% burns to her body, though she did survive the attack. As we tell you so frequently here at Wretched, please make sure you continue praying for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible The Book of Isaiah is a collection of prophecies given to Isaiah. It can be divided in two parts. Isaiah delivered bad news to Israel and the surrounding nations concerning God's judgment, and he delivered good news of salvation for those who repent. Isaiah also offers detailed prophecies concerning the coming Messiah, who offers eternal salvation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This is Wretched Radio. Do we do it? Wait a second. This is a minute and 25. Zoink, Scoob. <laughs> How exactly are we to speak truth in love? That's right. I use that as an opportunity to play a song that is 40 years old because we're current. We're hip. We're like mega churches speaking truth in love. It's a dual command. Love. And speak truth, or if you will, speak truth lovingly. Remember, love is actually more of a verb than it is a noun. You say, Friel, love is a noun. It's agape. That's a noun. But its verb form, agapao, indicates that it is something that is active, that is demonstrated. It has originated from inside of self. Our sermon on Sunday was on 1 Peter 1, how we are to love one another. I also heard a sermon, oh, was it fine, from Milton Vincent. <laughs> it's funny. I know my brother so well, and yet the title of his sermon made me go, oh, what's he going to say here? It was something like the marching orders of the counter-revolution. And these days, there's so much talk about resisting and rebelling and civil disobedience among Christians and revolution and bloody revolution being justified. I listened to Milton Vincent's sermon, and I should have known better. He started in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and swept all the way through Romans 13, 14, give or take. Way too much text to be covered in a sermon, but he simply gave us the big oomph. Here's how we are to live. We are to love one another. We're to exercise our gifts with one another. You're deficient here, and, and, and therefore... You don't, you don't try to make up or you, you lean on somebody else in the church. And that is counter-revolutionary because it is a testimony to the world that we're different. We don't just kind of love. We love 
actively was talking about, I believe, the Emperor Julian, who may have been, if I remember rightly, but then again, might not, because I can't even remember the guy who actually preached this, that Julian, the emperor, saw what was happening in the Roman Empire, that Christianity, it was, it was winning. And the worship of their pagan gods was diminishing, and he wanted a return to the Roman pantheon of gods to, so that the people would be Roman and not Christian. He didn't gain much ground, and he observed these Christians. The fact that he despised them, nevertheless, it didn't cause him to be blinded to the generosity and the kindness and the goodness of the Christians as they loved one another first and then loved their enemies as themselves. And I don't know if this is accurate or not, but supposedly Julian, one of his last lines on his deathbed was, Jesus of Nazareth, you've won. Love is counter-revolutionary. And I know in our day and age, it doesn't feel like it. Who's watching it? It's not on YouTube when I'm kind to somebody at church, when I identify a need and step in, when I'm dog-tired and yet summon the energy to go do something for somebody. Nobody's seeing that. Well, that might be. But what does 1 Corinthians 13 tell us, which incidentally... It's it's all verbial. The word love is patient, love is kind. No, no, no. You 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 are loving as you are being patient. It's verb form. The English struggles to convey that, but this is an active sort of thing. And as you do it, it has eternal value. That is what First Peter one tells us, because the word of God it endures forever. The grass it withers, but you love as informed by the Bible, and like the Bible, that work of love will last forever. So you might not see its fruit here, but you'll see it there. But there are people who do watch us, like the Emperor Julian, and they realize those people are just downright different. And one of the ways I think we can do that very powerfully these days, each and every one of us, is to not talk like a political commentator, to not talk like an agitated theologian, to not talk like you're just a torqued Christian who thinks that the world is just taking a ride to H-E double hockey sticks on a handbasket. I'm not sure exactly if that all worked, but the point is we don't have to sound mad. We can speak truth in love. And I would like to offer to you an example, a demonstration of just that. You may recall this story broke maybe last week. It might have been at the end of the week before, but it somehow made national news. <laughs> First Baptist Church of Jacksonville, which has been around for like 140 years, 130 years, something, it's 170 years. It's been there forever. Pastor Heath Lambert, as his title would infer, he indicate he's the pastor there, and he was taking some flack. Why? Because the congregation wrote a statement of faith that they wanted every member to sign. Now, Heath Lambert took some heat, so he decided to do a Q&A, and I listened to a snippet of it, but then somebody sent me an email at idea at wretched.org saying, you really should listen to the whole thing. And I'm so glad that I did. Thank you for that encouragement, because I think I heard as fine an example of speaking truth and love 
as as really can be done. Jimmy, you're nodding your head because you listened to this, didn't you? Absolutely. I, I just it, it was if you had to describe it in one word, it, it's pastoral. Oh, it was so pastoral. Yeah, yeah it was not. But not, but was he squishy? No, absolutely not. Not a bit. No. But it it wasn't like okay. So these transgenders who right. think that they're going to tell the church. We're going to fight. No, he stood firm. That that is that is a repeated command. I think it's used 15 times. I thought it was nine, but I think it's 15 times in the New Testament. It is always in regard to the truth. Stand firm, stand firm, stand firm. Contend earnestly for the truth, but stand firm in the faith. How do you do that? How do you stand firm and speak truth and do it lovingly? Well, Heath Lampert is going to demonstrate and model that for us. Now, I'm, I'm going to save it for just a couple of minutes because I want to play it pretty much straight through in our next segment. Sorry for that if you don't get the entire hour, but you can always listen to it on the podcast machine. I did receive another letter from somebody when we talked about this subject of First Baptist Church Jacksonville encouraging members, no, insisting that members sign a statement of faith that includes prohibitions. No. I take that back. It didn't contain prohibitions about gay marriage. (laughs) It just defined how God views sexuality. Brilliant. You'll hear that in Heath Lambert's comments. But I received this email, and this this is a fun subject, if you ask me. This was from Tom. Thanks, Tom. While I believe a church should make their position clear regarding this issue and should also require its officers to agree to it, To require as a condition for membership seems to be going beyond what Scripture requires. It seems from Acts that all is required is to make a confession of faith and to be baptized. You're right. That is true. And I think that this is probably going to sound a bit inconsistent. Somehow in my brain it isn't. You you might see a gap, and you can respond to this at idea at wretched.org. You're right. You became a member. You, You got baptized. You were testifying. Jesus Christ died and was buried, rose again. I've died to self, and I've been raised to new life in Christ. In other words, a testimony was given through the physical act. You are then brought into the church. No statement of faith that we see. No particular requirements. So, Tom, I agree with you. I That should be the bare minimum. Now, having said that, I don't think it's unwise or sinful for a church to have a more dynamic statement of faith and robust statement of faith. Can it go too far? Sure. Uh, Can we also understand that a new believer isn't going to get all this stuff? Yes. Yes, we can. But I do believe that a church saves itself a lot of pain by articulating. If you didn't know, this is where we're at, and we want you to affirm it. If you've got questions on it, we'll ask answer those questions. We'll work through those questions. And we'll bring you into membership because we want there to be one-mindedness, unity in the body. So to the Tom who wrote in about this, yep, you are correct. You're absolutely correct. In fact, he says, we we wrestled through this issue as a church. And every church should wrestle through it. How far does it go? I think we need to have liberty for one another. Let each individual church make these decisions. But I think what we see in First Baptist Jacksonville is a response to the need of the day. Martin Luther said, if a preacher doesn't deal with the barking dog that is howling at the door, he ain't a good shepherd. This is the issue. And as you're going to hear, 
in a moment from Heath Lambert that this is their attempt to defend the truth. But he does it so lovingly. How do you do it? Let's give an ear to Dr. Heath Lambert responding to the accusations. How dare a church actually have a statement of faith and guidelines, you know, like Twitter does and Amazon and Facebook does and country clubs do. Uh, Prepare to hear truth and love demonstrated next on Wretched Radio. This shopping rule has been officially broken. You know the rule. You're in the store. You're choosing between two items. One is more expensive. It's the nicer one, you think. And it's better than the less expensive item. You can't have both. It can't be inexpensive and good. That rule has just been broken. MediShare, double the satisfaction rate of people who have traditional health insurance. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing, and it saves the average family $500 per month. And yet the people, the 400,000 people that are in the MediShare program are more satisfied with MediShare than other folks with traditional health insurance. The rule has been broken. Learn how much you could save and be happy with MediShare at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Wretched Radio today. Now, I know if you're like the majority of people who listen to Wretched, you find yourself sometimes wondering, why do I listen to this? No, you find yourself sometimes wondering, what is going on at Wretched? If you're not already signed up for the free Wretched newsletter, that's your answer. Just go to wretched.org slash newsletter and sign up and you'll get monthly emails letting you know exactly what's going on at the ministry. From release dates to new resources, teaching on tough theology, topics, you're instantly eligible for free resource giveaways, and even Tons haircut and gym schedule. No, that's not true. But you will find out absolutely everything you need to know about Wretched. Just sign up at wretched.org slash newsletter. And while you're there, if you're not already a Wretched Gospel partner, head over to the donate page. That's wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. For your consideration, not one but two ways that you could strengthen the local global church, the Masters Academy International, training men in Los Angeles who then return to their home countries and open up mini seminaries to train pastors in their native land. That strengthens the local church. But there's another way you can do just that. We are partnering with the Masters Academy International to send Bibles to the Philippines. Not just any Bible, MacArthur Study Bibles to believers in TMAI-trained churches. These efforts strengthen the local church. Would you please consider how many Bibles you might send? How many seminaries? you might support overseas. To learn more, visit wretched.org slash pastor, or if you like the Bible sending idea, wretched.org slash Bible. Hermeneutics. A vital part of biblical hermeneutics is an understanding of genre. One genre we find in scripture is narrative. Narratives tell us of real events with real people in real places at a real time. 
Not everything we read in narratives is condoned by God, but everything we read is part of God working out His plan for the world. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. How does he do it? This is Wretched Radio. Perhaps a better question is, how can we do what we're about to hear Dr. Heath Lambert do? And that is to speak truth and to love both our commandments. We are to speak truth, but we are to love. Dr. Heath Lambert, for my money, has done about as fine a job as you possibly can in defending the truth of gender, sexuality, and marriage, having the congregation sign a statement that codifies their belief on those subjects, took a ton of heat from the media, social media, a church telling their members they've got to believe what the Bible teaches. Can you believe it? Nobody does that. Okay, my my health club does, but beside, okay, my my Amazon account does, and so does FedExpress. But it's a church, and I just don't think that they should be doing this. So Heath Lambert did a Q&A night, and you are going to hear his opening remarks now. I'm not going to jump in. For real, you promise? Yes. Listen not just to the contents, because he's speaking truth unwaveringly. He's not compromising an iota, and yet simultaneously, not only will you not get the sense that he hates gay people, but that he loves them simultaneously. First of all, uh, let me let me show you the statement for anybody who is unfamiliar or who is just recently joining us. I just want to be clear when we talk about the first Baptist statement on biblical sexuality, this is what it is. It says that as a member of First Baptist Church, I believe that God creates people in his image as either male or female, and that this creation is a fixed matter of human biology, not individual choice. I believe marriage is instituted by God, not government, is between one man and one woman, and is the only context for sexual desire and expression. I just want to say at the beginning that this is intended to be a positive statement. If you only hear about the statement uh, and don't read the statement, you won't recognize that in the statement there is not a single sin listed. It doesn't pick on any one sin over and above any other sin. There are sins that by extension are ruled out of the statement. Uh, But the statement is a positive expression of what the Bible teaches about human sexuality, about marriage, about manhood and womanhood, and it means to rule out any sin that would contradict it. I want you to know that this is a statement that is from our membership. First Baptist Church is ultimately a congregational church. That is to say that the ultimate power in our church Uh, is with the congregation. One of the things I've heard is that uh, this is some sort of oath of allegiance that I have made people swear to me. You know, you read that statement and there's my name isn't in there. There's nothing about an oath of allegiance to me. Uh, In fact, this comes from our congregation. I am a servant of our congregation. I have uh, reminded this room on a couple of occasions that uh, I can be fired on a simple 51% majority Uh, of the vote of this congregation anytime y'all want. So I serve at y'all's pleasure. You don't serve at my pleasure. This statement is 
It's not an affront to anybody at First Baptist Church. It comes from First Baptist Church as an expression of our entire congregation. Another thing I'll say about it is that this is a statement that is for our congregation. First Baptist Church has no power to enforce any of our statements or any of our wishes on anybody else. It is choose your own adventure out there. Uh, If you want to come to this church, you are welcome. If you want to go to another church or to no church, you are welcome to do that as well. I want to say, as I've always said, whenever these issues of sexuality come up, they're really controversial and prickly. And one of the things that I always say is, if you disagree with us, you're welcome here. Not everybody can be a member here, but you are welcome here. In fact, one of the very first things I did when this statement was released out there in the media a couple of months after we passed it, One of the very first things I did is said, hey, anybody who wants to come talk about this is welcome. Uh, So First Baptist is not closing our doors to anybody. We are not shutting anybody out of love. We want to say we love you and we care for you and you are uh, welcome here. But we our statement doesn't have any force of authority over anybody that chooses not to be in our congregation. One other thing, I'll say two other things, but uh, the next thing is that this statement is typical. Look, if you watch the news, you would think that there is no church in the history of Christianity that ever asked its members to believe anything. You would, you would think that somehow, some way, First Baptist Church came out of nowhere and said, you know what, maybe there are some things we should believe. But as a matter of fact, every faithful church and even lots of faithless churches ask their members to believe things. It's, it's a 2,000-year-old reality in the church to have confessions, to have statements of faith that express what we believe. Everybody wants to say, if you have any desire to be anything like a Christian, everybody wants to say, well, I'm biblical. I believe the Bible. Well, okay, what does that mean? And that's where the disagreements start. So it is abundantly biblical. It is abundantly Christian. And it is not strange or new to have a statement of faith that a church would vote on to ask its members to agree with. Uh, This church, again, as a congregational church, can have any statement of faith it wants. It can express itself in any way it desires. It has for 184 years. It has lately, and that's just the way it is. I say it's typical. That's not just true of churches, but a lot of the people who are critiquing our church are members of communities that have community standards. Facebook has community standards. Twitter has community standards. I mean, if you go to the Kiwanis Club or a gym uh, or a school, there are community standards. Uh, Of course, our church can, should, and does have a community standard, and those community standards come from the Bible that is good, right, appropriate, typical, and far from novel. The last thing I'll say is that uh, this statement is very timely. So, honestly, One question that I've maybe been asked more than any others this week is, why now? And I'm like, you're this upset and you wonder why we need to talk about sexuality now? You you think now is not the time to talk about sexuality? Everybody's talking about sexuality, folks. I mean, Disney has a stated view on sexuality. Uh, Starbucks has a stated view on sexuality. Why should not the Church of Jesus Christ have a stated view on sexuality. The most effective statements of faith 
in the history of Christianity uh, have been the statements of faith that applied directly to something current, something controversial at the time. We don't need right now to have a statement of faith on our church's position on sacrificing infants to Moloch, uh, because nobody even knows who Moloch is. Uh, we're not trying to have a church statement on the baptism of the dead, because not very many people are baptizing the dead. But when there is a whole lot of confusion about sexuality, uh, it's good and right that we express God's mind on what that is. As a matter of fact, the groups, the organizations that oppose our church, they themselves have a stated view on sexuality. They're upset not because statements on sexuality are wrong, but because they like statements of sexuality that agree with them. And so we haven't done anything that's enforcing anything on anybody else. We haven't done anything that's been imposed on anybody here. It's come right from our church. This is for our church. This is a typical thing that churches do and organizations do. And it is, uh, it's timely that we would do it. By the time you're in the news for believing what Christians have believed for 2,000 years, then it's really time to be clear. That was Dr. Heath Lambert, and he couldn't have been more clear if he were a button hook in the well water. And yet, did you hear that tone? Oh, man, how do you do that? I don't, I don't think it's a show. At least it shouldn't be. If Heath Lambert is acting, he, he needs to be up for an Oscar. Do they still call it? Can you call it? That's pretty male. What are they doing with that statue? <laughs> I suspect it's awfully masculine. Not that there's a difference in genders, but if I want to be a different gender, you better zip it, Christian. The point is, Dr. Heath Lampert, speaking truth and love where? From the heart. That, that, again, was from the sermon that I heard on Sunday from our pastor, Ty Blackburn. First Peter 2, that we are to love from the heart. In other words, we don't just, all right, fine, you sinner, I'll be nice to you. No, no, no. It comes from within. So how do you get there? Well, I think it can start with repenting. Lord, I am not as loving as I should be. I, I have been seeing my enemies and your enemies as, as somebody that deserves vitriol. And what they really need is the gospel. So, Lord, help me to genuinely, from the guts, do this. Because I desire to. And from whence does our motivation come? Once again, that's the context, context, context. First Peter, the entire preamble. What has Jesus done for you? Read through First Peter 1. And you're going to see seven blessings of being in Christ. Study those things. And then... From the guts, you will see sinners who are in need of the gospel, and you won't just bark at them. You won't just speak truth, but you'll be able to speak truth in love, just like Dr. Heath Lambert did. Oh, that we might not emulate him, but emulate our Savior. And until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>